Hello and welcome back to Not A Perfect Parent, the podcast where we share the extraordinary wisdom of ordinary parents. Today I'm very lucky to be here with Ryan. Ryan is a dad of two and a learning and wellness expert and he talks us through his experience of parenting with an age gap, how he stays reflective and the pressures that he's felt as a dad. Hi Ryan. Hello. Thanks for coming on to Not A Perfect Parent. That's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about your parenting journey? Yeah, so it's quite interesting, actually. I don't know why, but when I was like in my mid-teens, I had this really fixed idea that I wasn't going to be a parent. And it wasn't because I didn't like children, like I love kids, always have done. But I had this real thing about Bearing in mind, this was probably, I don't know, mid to late 90s. And I was like, oh, the world's just not good enough for my kids. So even though I was several years, maybe decades away at that point from having children, I had this idea in my head that in a weird kind of way, my kids already existed. But I didn't know if the world was a good enough place for them. And I felt mm. really strongly about that. And some people around me at the time, both my age and, and older people as well, were just like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know what changed over time because I don't want to be too pessimistic, but if you make the mistake of reading the news too much or watching the news, you could possibly think that maybe I had a point. <laughs> I became more open-minded about it as I grew up. So I opened up to the idea that maybe one day I would be a parent. But it wasn't like some people say, oh, I always knew I was going to have a big family and lots of children. That was never really my my thing. And then you find that person, don't you, who kind of becomes a big part of your life. So I met Miranda, my wife, through work. And, you know, we were friends for a long time before we got together. And and so, yeah, it, it was just something that happened, really. And it felt right. There was no doubts or is this the right thing to do? And then around the time that we got married, sadly, my mum was about halfway through living with a terminal cancer diagnosis. So there was quite a lot going on. Yeah, but when the time was right, when we got through that difficult time, but also got past the the honeymoon period as well of the excitement of getting married, just kind of happened. Not maybe a linear journey to becoming a parent, but got there in the end. (laughs) And who are you parenting? How old are your children? Ah, my Sprogs. So we've got two. We're blessed with two. We've got Rose and Evan. And my surname is quite long. So we always agreed that the first names would be short. <laughs> and Rose has my my mum's name to remember my mum's. Yeah. And Rose is seven and Evan is two. So there's quite a big gap, age gap wise. Um, not huge, but slightly bigger than we planned. In between Rose coming along and then Evan coming along, there was this kind of small pandemic thing that kind of turned the world upside down a bit and What's turned our, our world upside down a bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little. So again, it all just kind of came at the right time. It just felt right to start trying again for, for a second child when we did. And yeah, very blessed. So they are our two little terrors. No, no, they're not terrors. They're lovely. They're amazing. How did that feel to kind of start the baby stage again? What I used to say to people, but I meant it genuinely and I still do now, is the gap was long enough that we forgot how tiring it is. Mm. If we kind of almost started to redevelop this romantic 
uh, view again of having another baby in the house. And then, like, obviously, bless his heart, when he came along, we were just like, oh, yeah, maybe this is what we didn't miss for seven years. <laughs> you do forget because the gap's bigger. I can't speak for Miranda, but I think to some extent we both forgot a little bit just, you know, how emotionally, physically, everything draining it is. And, of course, it's different if they don't come at once and you have a second one come along because you've still got another one to think about as well sort of thing who's older and has their own needs and and demands on your attention and your time so but the gap works quite well you know rose can really play that big sister role which she loves to play does it very well and most of the time it's quite harmonious not always she was very excited about evan coming and i think that excitement kind of carried her through for a long time. And then I think there probably was a bit of a honeymoon period that faded for her. And she was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's still pulling on all your time. He still needs his nappy changing every five minutes. He's still waking up in the night. And that was definitely a big thing for us. Like we were learning as we went. We were really conscious of wanting Rose to be included in that. But there were definitely times when she probably felt a little bit like, oh, okay because you just can't leave a baby can you <laughs> really it's like you know when they're only a few months old so yeah I think she felt that for a little bit and that was really interesting because sometimes that frustration came out but it was never directed towards Evan and then I think as he's just got more into that toddler phase and he can communicate a bit more now as well that's kind of helped mm-hmm. yeah and you've spoken to it a little bit already but what were your expectations? when you did decide to become a parent about what it would be and what family life would be like? I think to sum up my expectations of parenthood, I was just like, well, it's going to be perfect. We're just going to be those amazing parents. We're going to have that perfect, happy little family. And that was probably my biggest expectation, probably in hindsight, a bit of a romanticised idea of what parenthood can be. We are very lucky, touching wood. We do have a lovely little family. We are all very happy. But when they come along, you do have a bit of a, or I did anyway, a bit of a reality check that you can't be a perfect parent all the time. There's probably no such thing as a perfect parent, really. You can just do the best that you can do with whatever resources and energy you have available to you at any one time. We have loads of amazing experiences together, but, you know, like most families, we have highs and lows and I don't think I'd really kind of understood that until they came along. (laughs) Yeah was that Um, a shock that reality check? Yeah I think it was I think I was still learning that when Evan came because when I only had when we only had Rose it was easier to try and manipulate that reality like subconsciously I was like make everything perfect make everything perfect when you've got you know a five or a six-year-old over here and you've got a newborn over here that's just done a really messy nappy you can't really make that all perfect it's messy <laughs> literally and <laughs> you know and you just have to kind of find your way through you almost have to embrace the mess I suppose and and find your way through it so even all those years later I probably learned that even more through Evan coming into the family and thankfully he's absolutely fine and he's very healthy and and happy child but he gave us a bit of a fright in the first few weeks so it was one of those kind of situations where we went into the hospital and you know we were home by the end of the day and about a week or so later he just developed some 
very worrying symptoms that all parents dread. He seemed to have a racing temperature, struggling a bit with his breathing, started to mm. go a bit floppy. So we just got him into A&E and, and he stayed on a children's ward for, I think, a good week. This was when wow. I was still on paternity leave. And, you know, it became quite apparent quite quickly that he was OK, but they were trying to work out he had some kind of viral infection. It wasn't the big one, but they never really got to the bottom of it. And then after about a week or so, you know, he just continued to improve and improve and improve. And he came out of hospital and he's been absolutely fine ever since. But again, we were very blessed with Rose. We had this this wonderful time with her and, you know, she didn't have any health scares or anything or any complications. So I kind of guess just assumed that it would be the same again. So kind of like sitting in this hospital, although we knew he was out of an immediately risky situation. It wasn't quite the start of the second child we'd expected. You can look back at it now and, and almost look back at it with a bit of humour. You know, they said, well, we need to take a urine sample. And it's like, well, how do you take a urine sample from a baby? Evan's resting on this bed in this hospital room. And they were amazing. The children's ward team were fantastic at Worthing Hospital. And he's just lying there on the bed, relaxing, being a baby. You know, and we're having to cry and get him to go for a wee and then catch it in a pot. And it's just like, I can look back on that now and laugh. But in my head at the time, I was just like, this wasn't the schedule. This wasn't the experience that we were meant to be having, you know. So um, sometimes life scoops you lemons, doesn't it? <laughs> you just have to kind of go with it. Yeah. And there's so much in what you said that I can feel that palpable relief. Like you say, every parent dreads that and it's something that's so beyond your control. And then he's OK. And the outrageous sort of situations you find yourself in trying to catch <laughs> from a newborn baby. And the idea that we learn from what we've experienced, there's an expectation there that it will be almost the same. Yeah, definitely. In hindsight, I probably was under, you know, the hospital piece aside, I was probably under a level of stress that I didn't really appreciate at the time. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to paint a picture that it wasn't an exciting time. It was. It's just very different. I mean, I was seven years older. <laughs> mm. um, and at that time, not self-employed like I am now. So still trying to hold down a full-time job and, and having that, that other elder child as well. So yeah, it was a it was a different experience, shall we say. <laughs> Definitely. That kind of mix of emotion is so relatable, isn't it? But perhaps not something we always talk about. We talk about what an exciting time it is. And I wonder, is that especially true for men? Because I feel like there's a new conversation happening, particularly for mothers, around the the mixed emotions that come with parenting. What's yeah. the experience of that for dads or for you as a dad? Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? And I, I might be a bit of a an exception to the rule because I, I grew up in quite a heavily influenced feminine environment. I've never really seen myself as the stereotypical male, whatever that is. I think, and I am quite, when I say an emotional person, when it comes to my children, I feel this kind of pull, don't you? When Evan had to go into hospital and you question everything yourself as a as a parent in that moment, you think, have I done something wrong or what is it that we've not done right? And then from like a male perspective, it's really interesting because like I said, I, I don't really feel like I fit into any kind of male stereotypes. And then I've noticed, especially since we've had children, I have this, I call it kind of like caveman mentality. That I have to watch sometimes where I'm like, I am the provider. I provide the shelter. I provide the food. 
women will be listening to this going <gasps> but i do see it for what it is i notice it and i'm like well that's interesting where did that come from mm. and you know miranda's amazing she's very talented there's all sorts of uh, wonderful things she she has done and does do for her work and part-time at the moment but that may well change as the kids get older but it's kind of like i had this thing in my head that i had to be that that provider and the weight of responsibility of that for me at the time occasionally occasionally caught up with me oh, i've got to make this job work or i've got to go for that job or i've got to do this but suddenly you feel very responsible which you are and that feels you know. yeah and that feels kind of isolating in a way because it's my responsibility it's a weight on me so as you say if it overbalances it feels overwhelming over time i mean evan's only two but i, I think over time I'm trying to accept more some of those feelings and emotions and that doesn't necessarily make them go away it just helps you level with them a little bit and mm. see them for what they are they're just thoughts they're just feelings they're just emotions and they're perfectly natural to have as a parent I think from a dad point of view it is changing there are still lots of dads out there who maybe choose not to or aren't able to spend as much time with their children as they would like and and you know certainly that for me is a big thing dads that want to but maybe don't feel that they can or they don't have that flexibility in their employment still a long way to go you could argue that for mums as well you know for all types of parents i think there's more we could do and i think i'm not an expert in this space but i feel like compared to some countries in the western world we're a bit behind maybe mm. so um but as a dad i i i do feel that you know um, there's more work to be done in that space to make it easier and to make it actually possible for those dads that want to, in those very early stages, for example, have more time with their young children. feels like the more conversations we can start to have, the more we can start to understand. Because, yeah, that is really difficult. If you have that weight of responsibility as a provider and you have to be outside of the home, so you're not getting that time, especially when your kids are tiny really difficult and I, it's about finding that balance I had an interesting kind of on the way to school chat with another dad a few months ago he had a bit of an experience actually so he's very successful in his field of work and what he does and he's been climbing up that ladder which is brilliant but he had a, a light bulb moment I suppose in a coaching experience and it really just changed his perspective a little bit he's still really passionate about his career and and succeeding and, and growing himself in that way but he also realized I think as well that what what are you doing it for <laughs> when you're a parent you know and yes it's to provide and there is that pressure but these these times are, are relatively fleeting and Miranda and me say that to each other quite a lot if we're having a bit of a difficult day with the kids or we're a bit tired or Evan's been up in the night or whatever and you just think actually it just goes so quickly like when I think about Rosie's first seven years on the planet they just went by in a blink yeah. So you kind of think, well, you know, actually just remember that you can spend as many hours at work as you like 10 years from now when they're locked away in their room and they don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so it's remembering that it's not forever. It's actually quite a small but very precious time in your life. And when have you felt like not a perfect parent, as we all do? <laughs> that can be really small things, really small things. And then... It can also be really big things as well. So 
an example of some of the small stuff, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to if they're a parent working through the pandemic. Where I was working at the time, I was obviously, like most people, working from home. And most of the time, people were used to Rose coming in, sometimes being on camera. That was fine. Everything was quite relaxed. But I think for me, in this particular moment, I was really focused on a conversation. And I got frustrated with Rose. It's probably quite a few months in. I think everyone was getting a bit tired and frustrated with life in general. And, you know, she she was okay, but she did get a little bit upset. And we talked about it afterwards and it was fine. But little moments like that, just you kind of think, oh, I didn't handle that very well. I could have done that better. You know, maybe I couldn't. But in that moment, you just think, ah, not perfect parent material. So really small things. And then going right the way up to really big things. Sometimes I, it's a bit philosophical, but I kind of look at some of the challenges in the world around climate change and, and you know, things like that. And I think, is it possible that one day in the future, my children are going to say to me, what were you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. You knew this was happening. What were you doing? It's like, well, I'm not really a glue myself to the M25 kind of guy, but am I doing enough? More generational, really, us as a generation of parents, because it's our children and their children, potentially, that will have to live through whatever the repercussions of, of this are. So I I kind of think about it in a really small day-to-day, oops, didn't handle that situation very well. And then I can go quite big picture as well and think about what is the world that we're creating and leaving for our children and Mm. for their children. And for those small things and those big things, are you forgiving of yourself? Do you reassure yourself or do you feel like your bar for yourself is pretty high? I think, and I, I can't speak for anyone else but I think a lot of parents might relate to this you know I think I do set quite a high bar so I probably said quite early on in our chat today there's no such thing as a perfect parent but but somewhere subconsciously I'm like you know I'm still setting that bar and I think I find it easier to forgive for the smaller stuff it's a constant piece of work for me so like raising my awareness children can press your buttons right and sometimes they press buttons that you didn't even know you had and they don't know that they're buttons. They're just being children. Uh, so you just, you know, and, and suddenly you find yourself maybe reacting to something rather than maybe responding and being a bit more mindful with it. So um, because I can now see that for what it is, I try to learn from it and recognize when maybe I didn't handle something in the best way. So it's not about wiping that stuff under the carpet and pretending everything's rosy. But at the same time, trying not to judge because I think otherwise we get caught up in this kind of vicious circle where if we then start judging ourselves for every time we didn't maybe play it right in a conversation or dealing with a bit of challenging behavior or something we, we kind of just end up in this pattern of always feeling like we're not doing enough and actually that's not helpful for our children I don't think it's good role modeling for our kids either about how you learn from your mistakes that leads us neatly on to what do you think you've learned in your so far in your journey as a parent it's a big Uh, question isn't it because it's what have you learned about yourself what have you learned about life I just think they're almost like a mirror to you children because they're so especially in the younger years I mean I think they get a bit older and they actually learn how to press your buttons (laughs) (laughs) that's when it gets really fun more deliberate yeah exactly intentional button pushing but when they're when they're really young you know they're just being children 
in Rose's first seven years and in Evan's very young short life, you do have to look at yourself and you think, well, where has that come from? That way of responding or that way of managing that situation. So one of the things that I've definitely learned is that I'm massively influenced in my parenting by the way that I was parented, I would say. And I I didn't really have a plan. <laughs> and I started to become a parent. I just, and that's the other thing I think I've probably learned as well. I think sometimes we can fall into this trap of thinking, look at that mum or dad or whoever on the school run. They just look like they've always got it together. They're so organized. I think we're all winging it. I really mm-hmm. do. Sometimes you might see that externally, sometimes internally. That's not to take away all the brilliant parenting that goes on. But I think to some extent, we're always learning new things or getting tripped up or whatever. So, yeah, for me, I've definitely learned that you have to continue to adapt and work out as you go. And definitely that the way I was parented has has influenced me. I guess that is interesting in itself because by and large, I had a very happy childhood but I guess I then have the opportunity to take a step back and say, well, what parts of that are good for me as a parent and for my children? And what parts maybe don't serve me and my children? And I need to find a way of disconnecting from. So again, mm-hmm. no judgment, no judgment to the people that brought me up, no judgment to myself, but just thinking actually, just because that's the way I've learned parenting at some kind of subconscious level doesn't automatically mean that that's the way I have to be a parent if it doesn't feel like it's the right fit. That's definitely been a thing. I didn't realise how much of my parents would come out in me when I started parenting my own children. It can be a tricky thing as well to admit, can't it, if the bits that come out are the bits that we perhaps wouldn't have chosen. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And don't get me wrong, there are lots of good bits. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's handy to, to know that I've, I've picked that up. But yeah, I think you have to take ownership for it. You can't then say, oh, well, that was the way that I was brought up. That reflection, when we behave automatically, it feels like it's right, doesn't it? Unless you start, like you say, really looking in that mirror, it's easy just to go, oh, well, that's what came out of me at that time. So it must be right. But actually, there's real power in that reflection. Because as you said, you've then got a choice. Do you yeah. want to continue it? Or do, would you prefer something else? Yeah, 100%. Rather than just giving it over to history, repeating itself. And also, I th- especially in those moments, but just parenting generally, it's just given me a whole new level of appreciation for my parents. Mm. <laughs> and I think as well, like I've been able to take a step back because I try and encourage this in other parent friends and, and myself as well. I don't always achieve it, but you know, this idea of non-judgment. And I just think, actually, do you know what? My mum and dad, they were doing at the time the best that they could do with the knowledge and the experience and the resources that they had. And just like I'm starting to notice now, there were probably elements of their parents' style and behaviours that influenced the way that they brought up me and my sister. So I think I kind of look back now on when they were an active parent and just kind of think yeah actually I've, I've got a new level of maybe appreciation for for what they were going through at the time good bad and ugly 
Yeah. And that compassion creates connection, doesn't it? Like we feel frustrated with our children, but they're just being children or they're pushing boundaries. There's a compassion to extend to that that kind of helps. And there's a compassion to extend to the way we were parented, even if it wasn't how we might have liked. And there's peace in that compassion, isn't there? Because it takes the sting out of that judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just think, wow, like you said, it's empowering, isn't it? To have that opportunity, to have that level of awareness, to think, well, I can make a choice about that. And then potentially affecting the future as well, because the way you parent your children will no doubt influence to some extent if they choose to become parents and they're lucky enough to become parents, the way that they might parent their children in the future. So, yeah. oh, that's quite big. I don't want to think about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> How do you bring that consciousness? How do you bring that self-awareness in? to sort of see that caveman like you talked about what in those trickier moments those are the times aren't they when yeah things come out what are some tools that you use because I know you've got lots <laughs> well the, the first thing I would say is that even though I guess through my work and the things that I've learned and developed over the years and they're still learning and developing I don't get it right every time so even though I've got the tools I don't always get them out or use them correctly when I should I'm still a human being I'm not preaching from the mount. But some of the things that I found helpful are particularly around a lot of what we've learned through, you know, studying things like mindfulness, for example. So when a thought or a feeling comes up, not trying to resist that thought or feeling, because I definitely used to try and do that before I learned more about mindfulness. And of course, there's that well-known phrase, what you resist persists. So I might be thinking an unhealthy or unhelpful thought about a certain situation with regards to parenting or my children or dealing with a situation with one of them. And if I try and resist that thought and just push it out, it, it doesn't really help. It, if anything, it just creates another another layer potentially of, of inner conflict. So acknowledging the thought or the feeling or the emotion, but kind of taking a bit of a step back and noticing it for what it is. Oh, that's anxiety or that's anger or and I, I, it sounds a bit odd if you're not used to doing it I almost try and have that conversation sometimes with myself now where I'm like this is the bit where Rose presses that particular button and if you choose to you might go a little bit crazy <laughs> and it's making a little bit of light out of it but with a serious intention because actually then you're not fully immersed in that emotion. You're not fully immersed in that feeling, which is where it's going to be most powerful. You're able to kind of take a step back and just just see it and honour it for what it is with compassion and without judgment and having that space to sort of step out of autopilot and think about what choices are available to me in this moment. There's a particular technique that I'm sure you've heard of that I learned through studying mindfulness called the stop technique which is super short it's really easy like anyone can use it you can make it last for minutes you can make it last for seconds but it serves as an acronym doesn't it so s is for stop so literally just stopping and you can say that out loud or doesn't feel appropriate on a bus maybe not (laughs) but just saying to yourself just stop t is for take a breath because we often don't do we (laughs) we're always caught up in this busy merry-go-round that is life and parenting and all the other things mixed in between when a situation does come up with our parenting we're already not in a place where we're ready to just go hmm okay because we're already going at a thousand miles an hour Mm. so just stopping taking a breath and just observing just noticing what am I feeling where am I feeling that in my body is it helping me noticing that not trying to judge it not trying to fix it 
P is for proceed. So thinking, well, actually, what would serve me best in this moment? Would it serve me best to react in the way that I've reacted before with this certain behavior or this issue? Or is there a different way that I could deal with it? Whatever that might be. And like I said, it, it doesn't work every time. I don't remember to use it every time, but I find that quite useful in parenting. Um, it helps me think about those buttons that are being pressed and maybe choose different options around how I respond to that. Yeah, like you're saying, it's that forgiveness as well when you don't, because sometimes that button, all the reactions happen, don't they, in a second? So yeah. it's like with stop. <laughs> yeah. Before you know it, the whole situation's yeah. right. Slowing down is key, isn't it, really, to start to see where that button is and what happens once it's pressed. Yeah. And do you know what? That's such a good point. So even when you start to use some of these techniques, it doesn't mean to say that you catch them every time because you don't. But every time you make the effort to try or if necessary, if, if you miss that one and it's already bolted out the door, even if you can just have an awareness of it and notice it. Oh, yeah, I did that thing again where like I get really wound up and and don't handle it in the way that I would like to. You know, you're just building that awareness. Another perspective which might never become the dominant perspective but it's an it is still there it's a growing influence in the way that you maybe think and respond to to different things so ev even if the horse has already bolted and you've missed that opportunity maybe it isn't a missed opportunity maybe try to look at it as, as something that you can still learn from and it might it might help you more the next time I love that because everything can feel so ingrained. We see familiar reactions in ourselves, for example, as when we were parented and we think, well, there's nothing I can do about that. It's a, it's a possibility then, isn't it? When we slow down, there's a possibility of a different choice, which sometimes doesn't feel available. So that's amazing. So what is your parenting takeaway, your piece of wisdom that you think other parents might benefit from? I mean, we've had lots. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> if you're listening to this before, stop. Stop now. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. That's probably not the one you're thinking of, was it? Um, no, um, joking aside, you probably hear people say this a lot, but they can be children if we allow them to be, if we're brave enough. They can be some of our greatest teachers, I think all through their life but especially in these early formative phases when they're really just like innocent sponges and sometimes kids say things and you're just like oh, I can't believe you just said that about the person in the queue at the supermarket but they're not coming at it from a place of nastiness or anything they're just totally unfiltered and no pressure rose but from the age of about seven we do get more and more filtered and a lot of that does come from our, our parenting ironically doesn't it and those early early influences of people around us so they're in this really innocent space and they just kind of see life and say it as it is and I, they have this kind of raw honesty and gratitude really for life which I think is a huge lesson because somewhere along the way Maybe not for everyone, but for many of us, I feel like we lose that kind of sense of our inner child. You know, there's so much pressure these days for all parents to provide their children with all these perfect presents and experiences and things. And that's all fine. That's all OK. And I'm not immune to that. But sometimes, actually, they just really appreciate the moment. They're actually really good at living in and appreciating the moment. So I think one of my key takeaways is is learning from them you know as you know I practice mindfulness but actually sometimes I learn a lot of living in the present just from watching my children play and how they embrace different moments in their experience 
I think it's good role modeling as well, because I think even if it's on a subconscious level, if, if you're opening yourself up to say to your children, you're my teacher and I'm willing to learn from you, like why should we just expect children to, why are you doing that? Oh, because mummy said so, or daddy said so. Or We're then kind of expecting this one-way street where we just tell them what to do and that's it. Whereas if we can role model that we're opening ourselves up to learn from them as well, hopefully it helps that two-way street. Yeah, there's a real respect there for them. Yeah, I think so. Well, Ryan, it's been so lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Not A Perfect Parent. Come back again next week for the extraordinary wisdom of another ordinary parent. And if you've got a story to share, and don't we all, get in touch.